You're listening to Intrepid Healthcare's exclusive coverage of Him 17 Annual Conference and Exhibition. Welcome to our special Join the Conversation show direct from Him 17 in Orlando. Join the Conversation is brought to you by Experian Health. Experian Health, leading the way to help their clients power opportunities to create a better tomorrow. And now, here are your hosts, Joe Lavelle and Todd Yuri. All right, I am Joe Lavelle, and I am so excited to be bringing you Join the Conversation with my co-host, Todd Yuri from Experian Health's booth here at HIM17. Todd, let's give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Experian Health, today. What a great partner. This has been an absolute incredible Experian Health experience, and I am excited to be a part of it. The healthcare provider, industry leader, revenue cycle management, identity management, patient engagement, and care management. I can't think of a better partner to be bolted up to against and podcasting with here at HIMSS 2017. Todd, put your seatbelt on. You are about to be introduced to my absolute favorite guest of all time. I think we've done every HIMSS for the last three years at least. Lee Williams and Dr. John Showalter. Lee is the Administrator of Business Systems for UVA Health Systems, and Dr. Showalter is a Chief Health Information Officer for Propel Health IT. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for making the time. Thanks for having us. All right, I'll get this started. You guys got a new book. I was just fortunate enough to get your autographs on my copy. What can you tell us about the new book, Mastering Physician Engagement, A Practical Guide to Achieving Shared Outcomes? The book is a compilation of over five years of experience that Lee and I have had really getting physicians to adopt things that they weren't necessarily excited to adopt, whether it was working with the electronic health record or jumping on board with ICD-10. Those lessons are compiled and distilled into the book and put into a framework that people can actually take action off of and improve their organizations. I've been really struck by how this resonates with so many people. So we've done a few events this week where we were talking about the book and from folks that are coming from the other side of the planet to people that are right here in Florida talking about what a challenge it is to get physicians to want to participate, to actively engage in IT, revenue cycle, population health, any of those initiatives that they see as not direct patient care just a timely topic for us because in order to move healthcare forward to transform, we need our physicians to be right there along with us doing that work together. And this talks about the tactics and the methodologies for approaching physicians to make that a successful partnership. So fun to be talking with all of us that are struggling with it and perhaps finding some ways to get forward. The worst thing that can happen to a patient base is the status quo. And if there isn't innovation in medicine, innovation in healthcare, IT, and technology, then patients are going to suffer. So when I think of this particular book, why this time? Why did you pick this time to come out with a book like this? I think it's because physician engagement's never been more important. Getting physicians to accept that change that is coming, accept that change is going to continue to come and be part of the conversation. I was actually just reading, somebody wrote about the quadruple aim, and it's the triple aim of better health care, better health at lower cost with the addition of and the satisfaction of the frontline clinicians. And they've really been left out of this conversation. And I think one of the reasons they've been left out of the conversation is that no one really has a clear path for how to bring them into the conversation and work with them. I agree. And the pace at which we're trying to do initiatives within our healthcare systems these days is frantic. There are so many IT initiatives going on. 
the healthcare providers all feel like they're under a lot of pressure with changing reimbursement methodologies and now with uncertainty with what's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act. It just creates this pressure cooker for them. And we experience sometimes where they can be either frustrated or resistant to getting involved. So I think to face the challenges that are here and now, it is absolutely core to all of the projects that we have going on in healthcare. Outstanding. I'm hoping you'll scoop us. I know you have the next four or five books conceptualized. What's the next book that you're going to write about? What's it going to be about? Too soon, Joe. Too soon. So, <laughs> yeah. Spoiler so, alert. Spoiler alert. In three more years. <laughs> what we've been talking about, actually, and it's part of the response to the book, is that people then think about how do you engage health IT professionals and revenue cycle professionals in healthcare transformation. So sort of the inverse of that discussion. Another group that would be interesting to look at are simply executives or leaders within a healthcare organization. How do you get them engaged when you know that you need to drive your business forward in a certain area? How do you get their attention to be able to fund? So if you look at the development of analytics programs within healthcare organizations, that takes... CFO, CEO level support for the process, how do you get them engaged to understand the technology and be able to select that as their strategy? So some of those around looking at other categories of folks within a health system to think deeply about how they work and then apply some of the same types of tactics to that. No, and I definitely think that is a direction that we've discussed. We've discussed it from a presentation perspective, not so much from a book perspective at the moment. But a big part of the book is dedicated to the psychology of physicians and how physicians become more physician-like over their career and how to tackle that. What is embedded in there, though, is an acknowledgement that the various stakeholders in healthcare fall into very different psychologies and trying to get them all on the same page when they approach problems differently, when they think very much differently about the same solution is a great deal of challenge. And we've had very open discussions when we were on projects together about how do we talk to who, who do we talk to, when do we bring them together, how do we bring them together, when do we talk to them separately, and what is the messaging to each of those. And I think that's been one of the secrets to Lee's and I success and would definitely be fodder for another book. So you remember the transition between 1999 and 2000 and the Y2K scare and what that was like for our industry and nothing happened. So the world didn't blow up. So the transition from ICD-9 to ICD-10 was another scare. And you both provided such great insight to ICD-10 advice to the audience and to the healthcare industry at large. What are revenue cycle teams busy with now that that scare has passed us or, or has it? Oh, I think the scare has passed. I think that it's become just simply operationalized at this point. And a big shout out to all those medical coders who really <laughs> learned the new right. set Amen. and did an, an awesome job transitioning to version 10 for ICD-10. They really have it at this point. We need to keep focusing on physician documentation and making sure we're getting the clarity in the chart and the recorded language around the treatment plans and the illnesses and injuries so they can do their jobs. But I think largely we are over that hump. And to answer the question about what we're 
we're talking about in the future. So we had our Revenue Cycle Solutions Summit here at the beginning of the week on Sunday, and we were talking about process redesign, so applying lean Six Sigma concepts to workflows in healthcare. We were talking about the patient financial experience. So one thing that I had recommended was be a patient in your own healthcare system and see what it's like to receive those bills. If you get more than one for a stay, that's not where the industry is headed or even is at right now. Some organizations are doing a very nice job with single statement, making it very clear to understand what the patient responsibility is. And our HIMSS Revenue Cycle Improvement Task Force has also, we have here at the show, information about what that patient financial experience of the future could look like with good collaboration and partnership between funding sources like banks, payers, and other healthcare providers who are giving their value into the system, and how does a patient deal with all of the information. So there's a ton of focus on price transparency, good information to the patients, and overall treating the financial experience as important as we do with the clinical experience and thinking of it as its own thing that needs to be addressed as opposed to just that's the bill. Anybody who's ever gotten a bill knows what I'm talking about, that there's room for improvement there to make it better for us. And that helps with the health of our patients because there's nothing like getting a stressful bill at the end of a surgery, et cetera, that can actually harm your relationship with the organization. Absolutely. Lee, we talked in December about a couple of things, the duplicate medical record Mm -hmm. problem, the need for a national patient ID. Was there any progress on either of those or discussions about either of those at this Revenue Cycle Solutions Summit? We did not discuss the ID. I think that that is something that everybody would like to do. And I know there's some really good work that AHIMA is championing and others that are Wheaties working on that. There are other work groups that are looking at patient ID. And I think Chime also has celebrated that as a topic that is very timely and needs to be dealt with. It's difficult to figure out how to make that happen. And I think that that's why standards are necessary. They're also difficult. But absolutely in terms of if you blow it up and think of it as patient safety and how the data needs to be collected, governed, all of the data stewardship around the electronic health record, that absolutely is a topic. So I think we were phrasing it perhaps differently, but it is the same thing where you're focused on patient safety, reducing any kind of duplication in medical records, making sure that you've got the right patient with the right treatment at the right time with as little waste and error that you can possibly have, that absolutely is a topic that is high of mind. And I think we're at a point with technology where that discussion the next five years might become moot because there's a lot of legislative confusion discussion about the national patient identifier. But what we really need is a trusted patient identifier, whether that's an assigned number or whether it is an algorithm that can look at all the information just put in and match it up. And I think we're getting to the point where there are new technologies emerging. Actually, I was just talking to someone about tackling the problem of actually making sure that someone that's doing fitness activities for a discount from their insurance company is actually the person doing it because, you know, you could give your Fitbit to your kid. (laughs) And there's a new sole that you put in your shoe and the impact on that sole is identifying as a fingerprint so it has to be you walking to get credit for it so there are new emerging technologies that might offer a new space but the patient matching understanding from an algorithmic perspective is light years ahead of where it was three years ago and i think we're going to solve a large portion of the problem 
just through the technology and the algorithms? Yeah, to your point, Dr. Showalter, our last interview was NCPDP, and they're doing something with our sponsors here, yep. Experian Health, and they've got a solution. Mm-hmm. And it could be a national solution. There's lots of politics around identifier. So the CHIME National Patient ID Challenge, they're mm-hmm. looking for a national solution. So I think the technology, well, we all know the technology could be there. It's just now overcoming the political hurdles and getting patients safe and just getting over the politics of it all. So as that Fitbit is generating data, as that footpad is generating data, as the collection of data is taking place, it's generating all of this stuff the analytics of what is healthcare. So I have a question for Dr. Showalter first, but then Lee, I want to hear from you too. What are some ways that you are specifically using data analytics at your health system to improve patient care? The internet of things is still a long way from the internet of knowledge. and It's a really long way from the internet of clinical knowledge. But Pieces are falling in place, and I think we're going to see really, really big gains in the next five years, or I think it's going to be kind of transformational. The thing that is in place today that we're beginning to get some benefit from really is the geospatial analytics, the knowledge about a person's neighborhood, what that means for their environment, what that means for their health, what that means for their incomes, and what that does for predicting what's going to come out. Pulling that information in is way more important than a credit score as far as predictions. It's hugely important for clinical care. And there are data sets out there that are on real that have been collected for non-clinical reasons. The political campaigns collect all kinds of data, actually talking with a vendor that has 150,000 data points per census block, and there are 11 million census blocks. So they have over a trillion data points. And it includes things like, would you use an app if recommended by your physician? (laughs) <laughs> so you can actually go census block by census block and figure out which group of patients is likely to respond to a home monitoring system based upon apps. And we're not really using that information anywhere across healthcare, and it's there, and our patients need us to figure out how to make it beneficial. We have to start paying you for promoting our prior interviews. So two interviews ago, we had Mandy Bishop from Aloha Health. They're solely focused on social determinants of health. They've created all this data, or they've gathered all this data, and they're now helping organizations figure out just what you said, how to incorporate that data and how to make meaningful decisions with it and meaningful suggestions with it. So I think you're right. I think we're on the doorstep. There's companies that want to tackle that problem. They just got to figure out how to get engaged with payers and providers to make it happen. There was an article in Healthcare IT Magazine about the future home and how the future home, which would be driven by public assistance, would be a smart home. So the carpet, the refrigerator door, the commode would all have sensors that would be able to collect data to report back to who's actually paying the bill, how healthy these patients were. But of course, it sounded scary big brother to me. (laughs) But regardless, the thought of that, especially if you built an incubator for study, would be so interesting and it plays right into what everyone is talking about here. Absolutely. Lee, I want to give you a chance to answer the question about analytics. How are you guys using analytics to improve patient care? So the University of Virginia Health System has a stated mission of being the safest place to give and receive care. Much of our analytics work is around predicting readmissions risk, predicting sepsis, predicting harm events within our healthcare system, and we even look at predictions around which 
types of caregiving may be dangerous or more risky for our caregivers. So it's not only about patient safety, but also about our team member safety. So we've got a vibrant analytics group that really does some nice work around figuring out where can we reduce harm and bring both improved health and lower costs to our organization. So very focused on identifying problems that we have or what is the problem statement, what are we trying to fix, and then aiming the data at those questions like who is at high risk for a readmission and then putting the resources very strategically towards those patient populations. So three, four years ago, we were talking about analytics. People are really doing it today. What's going to make the difference of the ones that are good at it and the ones that are just struggling through I think in five years, it's not going to be the math anymore. The edge for the next five years is going to be who's got the best math, who really can have the best solutions. In five years, we're going to be staring at a whole bunch of people that have the area under curve over 0.9, which is as good as you can get in a real-life situation. We're working with partners now that are delivering that level of accuracy, but I think that that accuracy level is going to spread, and there's going to be more competitors right now. What's really going to make the difference is can you get it embedded Can you get it adopted? And how do you work with the clinicians to get impact to the patients? Or how do you work with the revenue cycle to get impact to the patients and the business? It's all going to be about who can drive outcomes because the math is going to catch up. People are going to get it figured out. Very interesting. So Joe just got done saying about how data analytics was the big buzzword four or five years ago, but now it's leveraged. Now it's actually making sense. It's not a buzzword anymore. It's palatable and we know what's happening. So if you looked in this crystal ball, Joe brings one every year to the HIMSS conference and you look into it and you see the biggest innovations in revenue cycle in the next two to three years. Lee, what's that look like? Wow. So we did talk about some game-changing technologies at our conference, so I'll share what some of the wisdom is coming out of that group. Analytics is part of it, really moving into cognitive science and being able to, I like John's phrase of saying, solve the mystery. So rather than doing the work where I just talked about aiming the data at a specific problem and getting a specific answer, starting to take in a whole context of data and information that we've now spent years accumulating and figuring out infrastructures and how do we work with it and getting the math done and start asking more complex discussions around how do we help in the context of revenue cycle it is around how do we help patients understand their responsibility and create processes that enable healthcare systems to connect with their patients to handle those responsibilities pay their bills timely fashion in a way that encourages their engagement with the health system so not in just sort of a transactional way but really in keeping it as a partnership on both their health care and their financial care. So that's a very open field right now that I think has a ton of possibility with it. And that in itself is going to lead us to improve processes around workflows and using the application suites better and making better use of patient engagement. The technology is there to be able to work differently. And I think we do it all in this concept of engaging the patient in their financial experience with the healthcare system. Perfect. Dr. Showalter? I think we're going to see, I don't know whether or not you want to call it an innovation or a resurgence of patients inviting the clinicians back into their home. If you go back 100 years, 100 plus years, it was all about the clinician and the doctor at that time with his little black bag coming to your house and doing whatever he could for you, whether he had medicine or not. 
and we went through this transition where we kicked the physicians out of our houses and they went to hospitals and they went to clinics. And what we're realizing is that does not really help us stay well. And I think we're going to invite them back into our homes. It'll be virtual. It'll be with monitors, but it's going to be about inviting the clinicians back into the patient's life. And what I find kind of interesting is I think revenue cycle is going to drive a lot of that because of payment reform and the win-win of that occurring. But I also think that physicians are going to get a lot more satisfaction out of those interactions than what we've been having for the last decade. Go telehealth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But you got to have the workflow to make it work. You can't just plug it in. Correct. All right, guys, as we wrap it up here, Lee, I'll ask you this. Where can people go to learn more about your new book and get your book, Mastering Physician Engagement? You can easily find it on our best friend, Amazon. So Mastering (laughs) Physician Engagement is the title. And CRC Press is the publisher for our book. And they have a nice website as well. It's easy to search and find the title. And they've got some information both places, share a little bit of an excerpt with you. So those would be the best. If someone would like an autographed copy, what uh, other shows are you guys going to this year? Oh, that's a good question, because I don't know that we have it all planned out yet. The next one, I will be doing a presentation at the summit for the Texas Association of Community Healthcare Systems. I think we're going to North Carolina in mm-hmm. in May. That's the North Carolina State Chapter event. We'll be there. Awesome. And then there are several events that we do with Hims Media. So there's Big Data and Population Health. There's a Cloud Computing Forum and the Revenue Cycle Solutions Summit. So we are participating in those throughout the year as well. And then other application-specific healthcare user groups. Very good. All right, guys. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. It's our pleasure for sure. That wraps this live broadcast from Hymns. Again, we want to shout out a quick thanks to our sponsor, Experian Health. On behalf of our guests, Lee Williams, Dr. John Showalter, and my co-host, Todd Urey, I'm Joe LaBelle. And we hope you stay tuned for more of Intrepid Healthcare's Join the Conversation coverage live from Orlando. Smarter business decisions. A better bottom line. Stronger relationships with patients. That's what more than 3,000 hospitals and health systems and 7,000 other healthcare providers, 60% of all U.S. healthcare organizations, are experiencing as partners of Experian Health. Experian Health provides industry-leading revenue cycle management, identity management, patient engagement, and care management solutions that power opportunities in today's value-based healthcare environment. Find out for yourself by going to www.experian.com forward slash healthcare. Bookmark that site to keep abreast of Experian Health's transformative service offerings.